to the Radio Life Sciences Podcast for a behind-the-scenes look into GSLS, made by students and educators for the scientists of tomorrow. Welcome by the fourth episode, I guess, of the um, our special series on mental well-being. Uh, my name is Harald van Rijen. I'm your host today, together with uh, Evelyn Kallemer. Hello, hello. And... Um, uh, today, um, we're going to talk about equity, diversity, and inclusion in relationship also to mental well-being, of course. And for that, we have two experts at the table. Um, uh, Gisela, Gisela van Velden. Um, she is an assistant professor of, um, at our department of biomedical sciences with um, a focus on life science and society. So, welcome, Gisela. Thank you. And uh, also at the table, we have... Uh, Professor um, Leenik, she's a um, professor in use of data for innovation in higher education. Um, um, but she's also um, heavily involved in the field of XT, diversity and inclusion. So, um, Gisela, could you explain a little bit what exactly do you do at the Graduate School of Life Sciences and why you're so interested in this topic? Well, my interest in the topic is something that I think comes from my upbringing because I was internationally, uh, I, I grew up in an international setting. I grew up abroad and I went to international schools with a lot of different nationalities. Um, but my focus in my work is really on life sciences and society and on also developing new education, which uh, includes diversity and inclusion and teaches our students how the diversity in our population is important to take into account when designing new uh, research or when doing any projects, um, because then it's going to be relevant for the entire population and not just for a subset of the population. Um, and our view or my opinion really is also that with diverse perspectives, uh, you can really make a project a lot better and get a lot farther. Okay. Thank you. And, um, Leonique, can you tell us a little bit about the, um, uh, about your, um, professorship and also your relation with uh, equity and diversity and inclusion? Yeah, sure. Um, thank you. Um, well, at Utrecht University, so as you told, I'm a professor at the Department of Methodology and Statistics. But uh, before I became professor, I was a senior fellow at the Center for Academic Teaching and Learning at the Utrecht University. And when you become a senior fellow for a few years, you have a big innovation project on education and you choose that yourself and I did that on diversity and inclusion because I thought and still think that it's a very important topic for the university as a whole, as a community. And I think we still have a lot to improve on different aspects. So, uh, as for example, the influx of students, it's not very diverse at the Utrecht University, obviously it differs really per program, um, but if you look at the different programs there, are, yeah, the population is very different and that makes a different difference for the students who are involved because they might feel less at home or not so welcome. And if you're talking about mental well-being, that really makes a difference. So if you're the only male, for example, within a group of only female students or another aspect of you and you're very obviously, or you feel as a minority, then um, 
that really makes a difference also in all different aspects how we communicate as a university. So that's a, an example, but also the curriculum. So if you look at the curriculum, what kind of uh, theories are spoken of, the research that we do, what kind of um, people are involved. So I'm at the uh, Faculty of Social and Behavioral Sciences. And well, you see that uh, very often the sample that we use is also not very diverse. So what are you talking about then? Who are you talking about? What are you learning actually at the university? So in different ways, I'm uh, involved and uh, hope to work on promoting more diversity and inclusion so that students feel more at home and actually also uh, colleagues. So not only students, but actually the whole community. Yeah, yeah, beautiful. And can you give an example of, for instance, how you can enhance more diversity at the um uh, at the entrance of uh, um, a university program? Well, we talked a lot with a lot of different programs on how they um, uh, how they get their students, how they want to reach their students. And yeah, well, for example, we go to uh, secondary schools, but there we often go to a certain type of school where more the high achievers, the excellent students typically go. And um, that's just the way our university did it before. And so one of the things that we also said, we strive for excellence. And so that was one of the things that we did. So there's a difference that you can make, but also the open days that we have or the um, student for a day, we have those uh, things. And um, there you can really make a difference. For example, who you show on that day and whether there are buddies and whether students see themselves represented in people walking around, for example. Um, so I think that there are a lot of things that we can do and that we should do also to make students more feel more welcome. And obviously, as, as soon as they come, they should also be made welcome in that aspect. Okay. Yeah, beautiful. And, and Gisela, to um, a little bit closer to our home, eh, the Graduate School of Life Sciences, what kind of projects are you um, involved in? Well, I'm involved in a lot of different projects. Um, for one, uh, we developed the course diversity perspectives, which is embedded in the life sciences and society profile of the Graduate School of Life Sciences. And there we really look at how diversity in the population is very important. So we really look at the societal role and the interconnectedness of science and society. Um, we've also developed a similar course for the bachelor program biomedical sciences, because also I think it's important the earlier on you learn to include all these different perspectives in your methodologies, the better. Um, but it's also preparing our students, I think, for yeah the world of science ahead of them, because all of these aspects also play a role within science, within the scientific community. Um, it, but, I mean, you have open science, of course, uh, the open science movements, uh, recognition and rewards, uh, but it also plays a role in how we view, for example, female, sci example, female scientists at the top. Um, somehow there are a lot of female students in our population, but the more you get to the professor role, the fewer the females are. Um, so these are still things that we really have to work on as a scientific community. 
And I think you see this in uh, other places in society as well. Um, and one of the things that we also do is, for example, give bias awareness training uh, to teachers so that our students feel uh, more included by their teachers so that there's a more inclusive curriculum as well. And there's a, a safe space really where they, where students can go to learn. Um, and one of the things that I'm also doing is researching what the impact is of this uh, training together with a colleague from social and behavioral sciences. Um, so this is, yeah, hope, we, we hope that by working on different aspects of the educational cycle, so not only the education itself, but also the learning environment and the teachers and the representation um, that we will hopefully create a diverse and inclusive setting here at the university. So you talked about doing research and that within your research, you should also involve some more diversity and inclusion. Can you name some examples in which you can improve your diversity and inclusion within a research? Well, one of the things is you can have an, a diverse research team. Um, and the research that I do, for example, right now, I'm, uh, I'm doing this together with a colleague uh, from social and behavioral sciences. So that's... Um, interdisciplinary uh, mm -hmm. diversity, but also she happens to be from a Turkish background. So she also has a different uh, view on things. Um, so she's an international colleague here. Um, so I think a diverse team is really important because you really incorporate different perspectives into your way of thinking about the project. Um, but also in, for example, biomedical sciences, it's important to see that the population is quite diverse. So. Uh, an example that is named a lot is the cardiovascular disease because there are a lot of differences between males and females in cardiovascular disease. And these have only been uncovered in the last 10, 15 years because before that, nobody ever thought to look at how yeah. female patients were maybe experiencing other symptoms or the symptoms differently. Mm -hmm. Wow. And also, I think, can a student that is perhaps now listening and doing a research in the lab, for example, can you also include diversity and inclusion within your, I don't know, maybe cells even? Is that even possible? Yes, that is certainly possible because all of your cells have either an XX or XY chromosomes. Mm -hmm. um, and this actually does have effect on different uh, pathways within the cells. Not for all uh, research types is it really important, but you can definitely include it in your methodology. Um, and it's also important when you're looking, for example, at experimental animals, um, that you also really include both sexes, but also enough animals of each sex so that you can really look at differences mm -hmm. and not that you have to throw everything on one pile because you don't have enough data. Can I also ask you a question? Yeah, <laughs> sure. <laughs> because uh, it's, I think it's really very interesting. But the, so now you're mainly talking about the difference between male and female. So also for the animals, for example. Are there other ways, like on the cell level, that you a form of diversity that you can include or that students can think about? Yeah, um, also ethnic uh, diversity. So, for example, the origin of cell lines a lot of times is not described in articles. And it's, it's really something that a lot of scientists are also uh, advocating for, that it should be good practice to describe where do your cells come from. Um, are they male or female or are they from your European descent or African-American descent or Asian descent? Because these are all things that can really, uh, yeah, have an effect on your results. Yeah. yeah. Great. Interesting. Yeah. Very interesting, actually. Mm -hmm. So maybe now we can 
take a step a little bit back uh, towards like diversity and inclusion among our students. Maybe you both, do you actually see an influence on when diversity and inclusion is not that good in a particular area, maybe in university, maybe in society in general, that maybe can have an effect on maybe mental well-being of students? Do you have experience with it? Um, yeah, well, you can look at it in different ways. Well, one of the things that I was talking, uh, thinking about when we were talking was <clears throat> the international students. So I don't know how many international students you have, but we know that uh, specifically that group is, uh, well, you come from a different country, different cultural experiences, and very often uh, we do as programs at the university, you know, have a welcome and so forth. But it's the really living here, making friends, seeing how you get along within another country and so forth. It's often very hard for students and also for their mental well-being. So I think that we should be even more aware of that and think about how we can make our, well, our program more inclusive, but maybe also think even further, a step further. Than at, and that actually differs also between countries. So you see that in other universities in other countries, they perceive more as that you also, well, you know, uh, ask students or new colleagues after work that you do more together, for example. Mm -hmm. uh, here in the Netherlands, that's not so common. So uh, when the day has ended at five o'clock, everyone goes home, everyone has their own life in general, and maybe someone asks someone else to visit for some time. But that is really, I think, very hard for a lot of internationals in our community. And um, I know we have all these initiatives and they're great, so that's really good. But I think there's still a lot to gain there. We also know that from research, actually, that a lot of uh, international students have a really hard time mentally mm -hmm. also. So they often also get uh, depression and anxiety, all kind of things that it's really hard. And then specifically, well, and in Corona time, well, often they couldn't come, but when they were here, it's you're so isolated then. Mm -hmm. So uh, that was one of the things that, I thought of first of one of the things that we could do, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And I think for the graduate school, it's very uh, relevant because about 25% of our students are international. Well, and then it really also yeah. matters whether within your group there, if there's a larger group international, then you very often see that they can contact each other and that helps. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, you really should see whether you can change the culture of your group, if you get more or less international uh, colleagues or students. Yeah, and I think you also, uh, because uh, Gisela gave a, a great presentation during our World Welcome Day for our international students, that was exactly about this topic. Okay. So yeah. um, if you want to visit a Dutch person after work, you have to schedule this three weeks ahead, uh, yeah. three weeks ahead because, uh, <laughs> Uh, but it was also more subtle, like um, grading culture or what we expect from a student. What 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 is our uh, view on a good student? Which is a, that's a student that is stand up for his opinion and is willing to discuss it with a with a superior or a professor, which is in some countries not even um, allowed, I would say, or yeah. not expected. And uh, so and that's very difficult because it's so deep in the. Um, and uh, the, let's say the microvasculature of our system, uh, university system, uh, the way that we, our view on the student. And yeah. uh, 
and so yeah it's uh, but it's something that um we have to change of course or at least um have to take into consideration yeah so i think that is a very important first step to be aware of that so i think a lot of our colleagues would be willing so i also see that at my own faculty that a lot of colleagues they want to but we very often don't know know or are not even aware so we had with an international colleague who came to uh, our department and everyone was saying like oh you're very welcome and and that was true i mean we wanted to welcome him but he was so he felt so alone and just the example also that you said like you should schedule ahead if you want to meet up with people he he yeah, he thought he was kind of excluded from a lot of things while that was not actually happening. But uh, so I think making us, all of us, aware of these cultural differences and that that can have an impact on our colleagues uh, is very important. And well, now we are talking about the international, I think that is uh, very good to think about. But the same goes obviously for people, just the diversity that we have in between. So we already mentioned the difference between male and female. So for example, at my faculty, we have programs where there are mainly female students, and then you have only a few male students. Well, I won't get into our, our history, but obviously <laughs> males are, you know, in general had a higher status and so forth. So, but still, um, because I think it's even stronger if it's the other way around. So we know that there are programs where there are mainly uh, male students and then only a few female students. And we sometimes also hear that then they are made fun of, for example. Yeah. So we still hear that. And I'm really shocked about that um, because, well, that's we just want to have an inclusive uh, community at every place. And I know that the, the teachers and also the students there also want that. But then there is a certain kind of culture that everyone kind of keeps on going that, you know, the male students, they make jokes about the female students, which I think is... Uh, and maybe they're not even aware that making these jokes also causes more exclusion or more yeah. feelings of exclusion. And they think, oh, it's a joke. It's just meant to be funny. Yeah. But a lot of times these jokes come at somebody's expense. Exactly. Yeah. And I think... Um, there's this documentary on the, the Dutch uh, national television, uh, The Reference Man. So sorry for the international listeners, it's in Dutch, but it's really uh, something I would recommend watching. And in one of the episodes, somebody at a museum was saying, it, it was about art and about how a lot of the art that we see in museums is made by male artists. Um, and somebody said uh, in this documentary, yeah, it really takes a lot of energy from you and it takes a lot of brain capacity to constantly find yourself in a world where you do not see yourself represented. So you really have to adjust the whole time because it somehow internally it feels that you don't belong there. Um, so you really have to keep working at, oh yeah, but this is my world and I have to adjust to this. And, and I think for students from a minority background, this is really the case everywhere they go. And that's something that we should really become aware of, I think, um, well, as a society, but also as a university. Yeah, and specifically also with the ment mental health being yeah. then, because then their, yeah, the capacity, the, the energy that they need to put into that is already spent in a way. So yeah. it's even harder for them to do also other things. I think. 
Yeah. Do you think that there is a discrepancy between the amount of diversity and inclusion that happens here at university and within society as a whole? That's a good question. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I can imagine that like in university, we are very, very aware with these kind of topics and we pay a lot of attention to it. Um, but maybe, I mean, asking the question is maybe having an opinion about it. <laughs> but I'm very curious about what you think. Well, what what you your question was coming from, because you think we are more aware and more busy with diversity and inclusion than the, the in society. Yeah, I think so. I yeah, and I would just think the other way. Oh really? So that's interesting. Yeah. So what's your thought about it? Well, I think that there is a lot of diversity in our country, mm -hmm. at least at some place, a number of places. For example, if you look at the big cities, and we are at Utrecht University, so there, so there you have more diversity. And I think actually at the university we are not so diverse, mm -hmm. and we need to think about it. And if yeah, you of course. look at, at Utrecht University, also if we compare it, for example, to uh, the Erasmus Rotterdam or the VU at Amsterdam, they are far more diverse in the group that they, both their students, but also the teachers that are there, yeah. the scientists. Yeah. So, um, and I, also in the Netherlands, obviously the diversity and inclusion differs where you are, but also we are talking about all these different kinds of forms of diversity, for example. Mm -hmm. So we talk now about male and female and um, cultural backgrounds. Is, uh, But you can, well, you have all these different kind of ways yeah. of thinking about it, for example. Age, um, political beliefs, uh, religion, uh, yeah. uh, mental or physical disabilities. Exactly. So all these things. Um, and in that way, I think that in a society, well, at some places, it's obviously less diverse. But I think a lot of places are more diverse than we are as a university. Yeah, definitely. And I think I very much agree with you that concerning the population, indeed, I think the university can win some there, that our population within university can increase. Um, but I think my question was more related to the amount of attention and awareness that there is about diversity and inclusion within university compared to society. Because sometimes I just feel that You know, we as in university are very much aware of the diversity and inclusion within our surroundings. But when you ask like just a random person walking down the street about, hey, what's your opinion about diversity and inclusion and how are you incorporating in that in your life, for example, I think then you will have far less awareness there. I think at university, we think we're very aware. Yeah, yeah is it? <laughs> Elaborate <laughs> on it. <laughs> well, I think... I think a lot of people think um, that they're very inclusive, but when you really give them examples or situations, um, for example, the teachers in these trainings, when you say, well, but have you realized that maybe if you have a student in the back uh, wearing a hoodie and he's uh, sitting in his chair really relaxed and you think, oh, he's not really paying attention and you get a little bit frustrated. And then when you go to grade that paper, Um, that that student uh, wrote, it's really good. And you find yourself being really surprised and thinking, oh, but maybe it's not that good. And you start kind of changing how you're grading. And that's th those are the those are examples that we we talk about in this training. And then a lot of teachers, they really do confess during these trainings like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's really something I should be aware of that I'm doing that. Mm -hmm. And this is um, just one sort of innocent example 
Um, but, but there are a lot of students also who, for example, have to take care of a family member at home. And because of that, they don't have a lot of time to work extra on assignments. Um, I think if you don't take that into account when grading, then you're going to think that they're doing, excuse me, they're doing a really bad job when really considering everything that they're doing next to, uh, aside from studying, they're doing an excellent job. Um, and these are things that I think we don't think about because in our yeah. minds, students are free uh, to do whatever they like because they don't have as many responsibilities yet. They don't own a house. They don't have kids. They don't, um, maybe they do have a job and they do have, of course, their studies, but what else can they have? Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, of course. And but this is what a you super extreme view, of yeah. course, but yeah, I think a lot of people kind of think like, yeah, you know, our students, they, they, all they have to do is study. So, mm -hmm. but this particular example, um, in how I interpreted it is more a way of bias, but is then bias a, something that is included within diversity and inclusion? Because grading a student, you know, based on other assumptions that you have about the student is more a way of a form of bias, right? Yeah. But I think that also plays a role in how we may think that we're very inclusive as a university mm -hmm. because we have all these assumptions that, oh, but we uh, give our education in English, for example, so anybody can attend. Um, or a research group uh, has their meetings in English, so international colleagues are welcome. But then when you're at the coffee table, everybody speaks Dutch. Mm. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, so I think yeah. it's exactly those small things, actually. So also with biases and so forth. Mm -hmm. Well, not that the bias is a small thing, but more like the practical <laughs> things. What I mean is it, that is what makes something inclusive. Right. And not only like thinking about it in general or knowing, oh, yeah, we think diversity and inclusion is important. It's a very important starting point. Mm -hmm. But um, then doing something with it and being aware of really the practicality, you know, when you're practicing, yeah, that is, I think, a challenge still. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 something pops up in my mind, Gisela, uh, now you're, you're, it's about grading. I mean, even within our groups, uh, talents uh, of people are not distributed uh, equally. There's a diversity in talents, yet we have quite a, um, well, maybe narrow view on the grading of that. So um, a student that works really hard with the talents that he or she has and the maximum grade that she can get with that is a seven. And um, this is, uh, or uh, somebody else gets a grade nine. We value the nine better than the seven. And um, so the, um, do you think we have, we take that into account enough? Maybe the, asking the question is answered already, but uh, um, because we have students that have some more trouble with reading or writing than others, or um, and yet we have a quite uniform grading system, a currency. So who are the best students? Those are the students that can excel at all those um, um, skills, actually. Yeah. So is this fair or um, <laughs> is it equity? I don't know. No, it's definitely not equity. Um, I think this is something that all teachers struggle with. To yeah. be honest. I mean, I, I struggle with this as well. Also, from a diversity and inclusion perspective, I would really like to be able to take all of these different aspects of a student's life into account. Um, but yeah, we have these rubrics uh, so that we can grade all these students fairly uh, and compare them to each other. But really, 
these rubrics are very narrow, as you say. Um, so no, it's definitely not equity. I think equity would really be, or yeah, valuing a student uh, fairly on based on all of these different aspects. But I think then all of the teachers would be here 24 hours a day and not be able to sleep. Yeah, so I, I, that's true. And on the other hand, you also, at the end, you obviously have uh, some end goals that you yeah. have The learning to, outcomes. Yeah, the learning outcomes. So it's, uh, although I completely understand what you say, and I think it's important to have an eye for that. And, and as a teacher, be aware, for example, if there are circumstances that you should look at, if, but at, this, at another point, I mean, if you become uh, a doctor or a psychologist or, and then you say, well, you know, that person is not very talented in that field, but he or she did the best uh, they could. And therefore, you know, we still, you know, let them pass. That obviously is not the world that we can live No, in. no, I completely agree. I think it's really important to, and I think that's something that everybody says, right? When it comes to diversity and inclusion, Oh, but then we have to lower our standards. And that I don't think no. anybody thinks that that's oh. the case. But it, I think it is important for those students who are able to reach the standards that we uphold within what we think is a master of science or a master of arts or whatever, um, if they need an extra hand to be able to give them that support. Oh, I completely yeah. agree on that. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm just connecting to... a. Uh, um a previous episode that we've recorded, yeah. uh, which was initiated by a student who said, hey, actually, in the graduate school of life sciences, uh, for the major internship, we should get rid of the grade. Let's make it a pass-fail. Um, and then, of yeah. course, we discussed how can you um, um, distinct yourself amongst others. So how do we then know which is a better student or a, a mediocre student? And then, of course, you have testimonials, some other currency than grades. but. The, she made the relationship between grading and mental well-being because it gives stress. Uh, am I going to be uh, get a good grade? Or um, so I was just wondering what your view uh, was on this. Um, I think it also differs per student because last year I had uh, one assignment where we gave a pass fail, and a lot of students said, "Hey, why are we not getting a grade?" I was really looking forward to see how well I did, and um, this is not going to look good on my GPA or I want to graduate cum laude or whatever. And um, they were a little bit upset, actually, that they didn't get a grade, <laughs> yeah. where I thought, well, I can't really grade this assignment because it's just yeah. very personal for each student. Whatever they wrote, it was a reflection assignment. Um, yeah, so I think, I mean, with this example, I find it as also as a teacher and as an educational, uh, I mean, I'm also the vice dean, so responsible for a lot of programs i think it's really important that you know as a teacher you must be able to grade them on and that it makes sense so if you get a seven or an eight or a nine obviously you have to make be able to explain why the, these differences are there and then you can learn and also say something about that sometimes that's not the case or it's quite vague and then i think actually quite more often we should do that with the pass and fail because that's not very common here but I think then it's a really good idea. The fact that it causes stress, personally, I don't think that's a good argument not to give a grade. Um, although I think it's important to talk about the stress that students experience if they get a grade, but I think that's something else. So we shouldn't then for itself 
um, change the grading, but we should talk with the students about why they are so stressed and why they feel so judged, apparently, by a grade, because, I mean, it says something about what you did at that point, but we are learning here at the university, so yeah. you are in the program to learn things, yeah. and then maybe you learn something and you get a grade of seven, so, well, there's still more to learn, right? So, but you did, you yeah. did pass, but you did not excel in that way. And I think that is something that we really should think about more. Um, and I think it says a lot about our system as a society, because this grade gives the students stress because they think, okay, well, this is not going to look good on my CV. And then later I have to get a job and all these other students will have had, uh, I don't know, a GPA of 9.2 and they'll be better than I am. This So, so they'll be hired quicker yeah. or, and I think this is, like this system, that's where the stress comes from, I think, not because of that one grade. No, yeah. true. And we should, with all of us, think more about that, indeed, also our society. But, oh, well, maybe then that's good news for the students that there are more vacancies uh, all over. <laughs> <laughs> so they shouldn't worry that much. So I talked also with students of my own uh, faculty about this, and it kind of... You know, they had like, well, it's easy for you. You have a good job, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. To say that. But I still think that, yeah, we should try to lower the stress that there are, you know, already as first years or so busy with, you know, being the best or being good enough. And I think... Um, the selective admissions don't help, maybe. Yeah, true. That obviously that, that makes a big difference. And I do understand that. So that's also the system that we have. Yeah. Um, yeah. So maybe coming a little bit to a conclusion here, or maybe a quick roundup, um, what do you see that we can maybe enhance here at university to improve even further our diversity and inclusion here? That's well, a question to you both, actually. <laughs> I think there's still a lot we can do. So we, we mentioned a lot of things, I think. So we can look at the curriculum, we can look at the teacher trainings, our how we work together as teacher and students, how we grade, for example, but also uh, who we attract, how the admission system is organized. So there are a lot of things I think we can still do to improve even uh, further. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I agree with all of those things. Um, and then also if we're looking at more an in individual level, I think it's important for us to all just be open uh, about these things, talk to each other about them, talk to each other about each other's opinions, because then we can also learn from each other how everybody looks at these things, but also from different experiences. Yeah, true. And and um, by saying this, I know that a lot of our colleagues also, I mean, everyone works very hard, there's a lot to do. So very often this comes as an extra. And even if you have, it might happen that you have a group of students where you have a lot of people who yeah, ask for a special uh, treatment in a certain way. So we should also be aware of that, that it's not always that everything you ask as a student is possible, um, for example, for the teacher to arrange and so forth. But I think the most important part there is that we talk with each other and that the students also find ways to talk with other people, experts that are available so we have a lot of people within our university that you can talk with as a student, also as a graduate student, PhD student. You have all these different people, psychologists, and, and, but also within the program. 
that you can approach if you have mental problems or any other problem, problems within your program. So maybe I, uh, yeah. I want to uh, stress that even also people listening, that if they want help or want to talk to, about this, there is really there are people within our university that you can talk to. Yeah. Yeah, awesome. And one thing, maybe a short question. Uh, well, it's not a short question, but maybe a rather short answer because we're kind of finalizing the the podcast. But one thing that really popped my mind is kind. It kind of looks like or feels like that we're now talking about a top down approach. Like diversity and inclusion is a top down thing, and you should, you know, we are trying to make diversity and inclusive areas. But isn't it also something that can be? bottom-up approach from students. So if a student is listening now, what can he or she do to improve the diversity and inclusion, maybe at university, maybe in society, or both? Well, I know at the UMC Utrecht, uh, we have a platform diversity and inclusion uh, for students, and they also uh, are in close contact with the core team diversity and inclusion within the UMC Utrecht. So you can definitely send them an email. Um, And I don't know their email by heart, but I should have, of course, known this. Um, I think it's studentdiversityumcu at gmail.com. Um, but yeah, that's something you can definitely do. Uh, and I think another thing is please speak up also to your teachers because most teachers are really open to suggestions and uh, to feedback. Um, and I, I know that students often feel a hurdle to speak to a teacher but if not then i think you can always email the program um and we'll definitely pick it up i think yeah i think these are very good suggestions and uh it's also maybe nice to hear that a number of students also uh, in the previous years had some initiatives also at utrecht university that became like a really broad uh initiative uh so i only now know the in dutch but uh Platform on the Perk Studeren. Yeah, the platform. Um, unlimited. Unlimited studies, studies, I think. Something, yeah. something like that. So uh, they that came really from the students. So there were a number of students who said uh, the accessibility of our uh, local, uh, really the, our locations should improve and we should think about that more as a university. So they started that with a number of them and they approached teachers and other students And that is now really a platform that is also included with uh, EDI initiatives. And um, they even won a prize for that because they do such brilliant work. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's great if students also want to do something um, themselves. I think that's really good. We need that. We need everyone to join in. Uh, and certainly not something that we want to uh, do top down. But uh, it's uh, something of all of us. But I think it's important that the... Yeah, I agree completely. Um, but I hope that also these top-down initiatives give the colleagues and the students who do feel like they want to share something but they don't really dare, that they feel that there's room for that. So I think it should be both. Yeah. Nice. So um, from a top-down approach, I think as a school, I hope that in the in the near future we. Uh, Um, can have a lottery again at our admission list. I agree. Yeah. yeah, because I think that selective admission, all the research, and well, you can uh, uh, confirm that I guess, uh, uh, Leonique, shows that it's not more effective the selection procedure, but it does homogenize. Yeah. 
yeah. for certain sure. groups. And uh, so uh, I think, I know this is students, um, this is very unpopular among students to go back to lottery because they think they have more control during yeah. uh, wow. the selection procedure than they have during a lottery. Interestingly, um, but I, I just yeah. heard from a colleague who, was, uh, who had some focus group uh, sessions with students that actually all the students that she talked to talked about how unfair they found the selection procedure. Oh. Not because of the procedure yeah. itself, but because of... Yeah, different factors. But I think what Harold is saying is also because I think uh, at some point the lobby of a number of students at national level yeah. uh, was to um, have more selection procedures. Yeah. So, and yeah, I think that is because they think they have more control. But uh, we know that it doesn't make it more fair, at least even more, it makes it more unfair and, and more. Yeah, and I and I hope that we will have a little bit guts to say, hey, we're going to open up um, a few seats for students of that are really underrepresented in our uh, program, of which we think they should be have the opportunity. Uh, I'm thinking of refugees or other students that just don't have the the options um, to to come on because to have role models in your program that you can um, that that um, also recruit new students, you first have to have them and yeah. i think we sh we could be more active in this um than we have uh, done so far and i know this is in uh does um cause some friction with equal treatment and stuff like that but i um well, i will be uh, open for that um and evelyn what are your um take-home messages for now yeah, well, I think it's not very much your take-home message for now, but the thing that I'm going to do after the podcast, I guess, is just reflecting a little bit on how diverse and inclusive I am in my own mind and in my own thoughts and in my own education that I provide. Because uh, as you mentioned, uh, Gisela, uh, maybe we are thinking we are diverse and inclusive, uh, but maybe we aren't. So maybe I'm just going to critically think how diverse I am actually myself. <laughs> That's always good. I still do that. I think we all should yeah. keep doing that and mm -hmm. not in a way like, are we doing everything wrong? Because that sometimes I hear that too. That also teachers say, yeah, no, no, I feel that I'm doing everything wrong, but that's not the idea. It's more that you just reflect and see, you know, how you can make it maybe even better for some students. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Cause I do think that it's a very important topic and that you should never stop paying attention to it. So yeah, I think it's important. What about you, Adol? Well, um, the same, and uh, also think what we can do or should do, because we, um, uh, as also as degree directors or as professors, or we do have um, um, a span of control here. We can we are we can change things, and I think if you really want to change, it has to be bi-directional. So there has to be a top-down approach and a bottom-up approach. And I, um, well. I'm, I'm going to reflect too, I guess. <laughs> Very good. <Yeah. laughs> Great. Well, thank yeah. you. So it worked. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and Leonie. Hey, um, so thank you so much for this wonderful and important um, uh, conversation on this essential topic. Uh, so thanks for being here. And um, thanks for having Irene, us. Thank yeah. you again. Thanks for, for having yeah. us. It was great. It was yeah. really nice to talk about it. Yeah. And Evelyn, thanks again for co-chairing. Of course, this, you uh, too. Uh, you too. Yeah. 
and uh, and of course thank you to our listeners and um, well i hope to see you back and to hear you back on uh, in one of our next episodes so thank you so much see you if you need support or a conversation regarding this podcast please refer to the advice and counseling page of our GCLS student site for more and detailed information.